Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Namihinui and welcome. From Radio New Zealand National, here's our changing world. You might have seen some new red-coloured kiwi fruit appearing in supermarkets over the last couple of years. New fruit varieties such as these come to us courtesy of plant breeders. And until recently, they've been the result of traditional time-consuming plant breeding techniques out in the orchard. But new genetic techniques have revolutionised the process, allowing scientists to be much more targeted in what they're after. Fancy an apple that has red flesh as well as red skin? Try inserting the particular gene that codes for redness. Alison is off to plant and food research in Auckland to meet Andrew Allen and Richard Espley. They're in the business of using genetic modification, or GM, to develop new types of apples. And before you raise your hands in horror, the PR are keen to point out that it's a very powerful breeding tool. It is used in a strict containment facility, and none of the genetically modified apple trees ever leave the greenhouse. I call it an orchard in a box. You know, we've got a large unit here for apples. We've put about 500 apple trees in that space. And over further to the, to the right is, uh, is a unit for kiwifruit. So about 600 kiwifruit vines usually in there. But it truly is an orchard. You know, there's soil in pots. Um, there's a bit of moss around. There's certainly not allowed to be any um, insects in here. We're not allowed bees or, or anything to, to, to get in here. Um, and that's because it, it's, it's all... Um, sealed. It's a sealed unit. So what have you actually been doing with those apples? We're running about 40 different experiments. Why do I say 40? Because in order to get a good result, you've got to have about 10 replicate trees for every gene that you're testing. 10 trees um, into 500, you know, we're, we're talking 40 or 50 genes that we're testing. Usually we take an apple gene and put it into apple at a very high level and we sit back and watch what that does. Um, so there are actually 57,000 genes in Apple, um, so there's lots of experiments to be done. But those 40 or 50 genes, are, we believe, are the key ones in the traits that we're really looking at and in the, in the areas that we're really interested in, and that's um, colour, flavour, architecture, flowering, health. So these are Apple genes? Apple genes into Apple or kiwifruit genes into kiwifruit. And the big focus in kiwifruit at the moment is the bacterial infection Pseudomonas syringiae, which is um, harming our industry. So there's a lot of vines in there that have got extra kiwifruit genes in them in the kiwifruit to see whether it increases or decreases its susceptibility to, to this bacteria. Um, once we've got that information out of that, then those vines are usually destroyed and we can go back to our natural breeding program and say, well, where, where is that gene in the genome? Have we got individual vines that have got a better version of that gene? In a, in a, in a breeding program, we are able to speed up things and hopefully make a, another kiwifruit that's as good as it was before and completely resistant to, to PSA, for example. 
How do you put a new gene into an apple? So we take little pieces of apple and we expose them to a bacterium called agrobacterium. So it's normally a soil-dwelling bacteria that infects plants naturally, and it does so very cleverly by injecting little bits of its own DNA into the plant to get the plant to create the right growth conditions for the bacteria. Very clever. So that's been harnessed. It's a very standard technique, and we do it routinely here. In fact, I'd say... As a facility, this is one of the best in the world for transforming apple. Once you've got this apple tissue transformed, you get little plantlets regenerated. So here we bring those little regenerated plantlets uh, down to the glasshouse from tissue culture, and we put them on a rootstock as, as a normal apple tree would be grafted, and from there they grow on. So these are normal dwarfing rootstocks so that they help the growth conditions in our glasshouse, and I can show you those now. That'd be great. So this room is kept uh, warm and moist in sort of perfect growing conditions for establishing little plants. So here we have a non-transgenic uh, rootstock, and out of this is now growing a transgenic, what's called a scion, so a little plantlet, which will then grow into a standard apple tree. So you're still constrained by the length of time it takes an apple tree to grow? We are. We can make the apple tree grow a little bit quicker using this glass house. But yes, we're going to wait about two to three years to get any flowers and fruit from those. It's still a long process. We've got genes that change the colour of the scion. We've got genes that cause rapid flowering. Um, so, so therefore, we, when we make the transformation, we can see straight away a phenotype. But often, it'll be a gene that's involved in fruit flavour. And we've actually got to wait until it flowers and produces a fruit. So then we can um, take that fruit... Uh, run, it, run the volatiles through machines and, and say, yes, we've actually changed the flavour of, of that fruit. Come this way. One of our favourite genes has been the apple colour gene. Yes, so this is actually just, just one gene. It's, it's quite a special gene. It's a transcription factor that will turn on a lot of other genes, and in this case involved in the anthocyanin pathway. So anthocyanin is the red colour that produces the red of fruit skin in, in apple. But in this case, what we've done is we've overexpressed this gene in all parts of the apple tissue so that you've got here, as you can see, these nice uh, new red leaves coming out. And from this, we do get uh, completely red fruit. Now, why would we do that? Well, there's a number of reasons. One, anthocyanin is quite attractive, so we need to know what makes the colour and how that colour is laid down in, in apples so that we can breed for better colour apples. Also, it's, quite a, it's known to be a healthy compound, this anthocyanin is very good, and we've done some uh, trials on that to, to prove that's the case. And um, so there are a number of good reasons to do that. So what this has actually led to is this knowledge about this transcription factor has led to a, a marker that we've developed, that we've actually used in our breeding programs. And we've screened this marker for the red color gene across 40,000-odd seedlings, and we've been able to make significant costs savings from that and to be able to speed up the breeding process. So what started off as um, a project looking at what controls the colour of apple, we've been able to provide you know, a, a real benefit to our breeding programme, which we're, we're, we're really happy about. We've also learned a lot about this gene and how it affects apple in its growth and its storage, because underlying all this, there is uh, a breeding programme at Plant and Food Research for a red-fleshed apple. That's one particular trait which uh, we've been working on for, for a number of years. As Richard said, is colour equals health, colour equals novelty. So the consumer wants to see new and exciting things. Um, and the consumer is going to get those things from our breeding programmes, which are independent of, 
of this work, research, but those breeding programs are informed by the knowledge that we, we generate out of this GM experiment. There's a nice communication through the glass of this GM um, box, if you like, um, and that, that communication is, is that data and that knowledge uh, and the use of markers in a breeding program. So everyone can be assured that, that the new and novel cultivar that they get in the supermarket is, is natural, um, even though the experiments that we're doing in, in, in this laboratory um, are considered um, sort of cutting edge and novel. The other thing that's going to challenge us over the next few years is, is this particular plant, which... Which um, is what? It's a vine with white flowers? It, it looks like a, a sort of climbing rose, but, but this is because apple and rose are, are very closely related to each other. And it's, so it's not a rose, it's a royal gala apple, but it's got this rapidly flowering um, gene that's been uh, added to it. Um, and that means that every time it makes a leaf, it also tries to make a flower. Now, why is this so exciting? Well, A, we know, now know a lot about flowering, and we can, see, we can switch on flowering whenever we like. Um, so all, all through winter, when all our, all our other trees are in the chiller and having their winter experience, this plant has got to continue to grow and continue to flower. And that's really exciting because we can cross um, whenever we like, middle winter, middle summer, any time there's a flower, we can, we can bring pollen into this facility from another parent uh, apple that we're really interested in, cross it into this flower, and then save the seed. Every eight months, we can make another plant um, and save the seed and make another plant. Now, this parent is genetically modified, but half the seed in every fruit will be not genetically modified. It will have no transgene, no added gene. It will just be the product of a parent which was genetically modified. So we're talking about changing the breeding cycle of an apple from every seven years when you make a cross, develop another apple, that's how long it takes, to doing it maybe every year, you have another cycle of breeding um, and we will introduce a trait that we're really interested in, like high health or, or a pathogen resistance or different architecture, we'll introduce that into this plant and the progeny of that cross um, some of them will be genetically modified, but um, the other half of the, of the progeny won't be genetically modified. So we've sped up the breeding program by sevenfold using this little plant. So as well as that reddish-purple apple, the floppy rose-looking apple, yes. you, you also have a tray of fruit here. So what's significant about these apples? We've got a line of royal gala apples that were picked in March, and they're starting to shrivel and go, as they would in a fruit bowl, um, go pretty um, nasty now. Um, but partnered with them is another line of Royal Gala, which has got um, one of the ethylene genes that has been knocked out. Um, so ethylene is, is that classic gaseous hormone that bananas produce um, to, to go from a green banana to a yellow banana, and that switches on ripening. And apples make lots of ethylene, okay? That's so, why you put unripe kiwi fruit in with them in a paper bag, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. So, so this, this hormone is really strong. It affects fruit quality. Once ethylene has been perceived by fruit, it switches on colour, it switches on flavour, uh, texture changes radically, softening happens. All sorts of shelf life issues are related to ethylene. Now, the, the little line of green apples I've got here are Royal Gala apples, but they've that we've knocked out a gene called ACO, an oxidase that makes ethylene. So these apples can no longer make ethylene. What they will do, though, is they'll respond to ethylene. So they've still got the machinery to sense ethylene, they just can't make it themselves. Now, what's really exciting about this group of 
trees that we've been growing these apples for for, for over 10 years is that we, we can do experiments on really fine control of, of understanding ethylene response. So what happens in the first five minutes after you add ethylene to these apples? There's lots of changes. We can understand all those changes, and we can use that knowledge out in our existing um, apple cultivars that we have in Hawke's Bay and all around the country. And that's particularly useful when you think about where we have to ship our apples. So they have to remain in a good condition for a long time. So the more that we can control that condition, the better it is. I'll advertise one of our cultivars that's come out of our breeding program, Jazz. Jazz is a really nice apple. It's crisp, it's exciting, it tastes great. It's naturally bred, of course. It's an ethylene mutant. It, it has a different way of reacting to ethylene. So it produces lots of ethylene itself, and it just sort of ignores that ethylene and keeps its crisp texture for a lot longer than most other apples do. So the knowledge that we got out of these experiments and greenhouses like this allowed us to understand jazz as an apple and treat it differently than other apples. So we're going now into the storage facility where in summer we can store fruit, but in winter uh, we've got all our GM trees. And these trees will be in here for the next 12 weeks because at the top of each branch we've got a bud that's now um, detecting the fact that it's below 6 degrees. It's time to be asleep, uh, but they're still thinking, counting off those number of hours that tell them, tell the plant that it's had enough chill units in order to switch on flowering. Yes, and I think it's important to say that the genes that we're using here have already gone through a fairly rigorous testing program, not necessarily in Apple, because Apple takes a long time and it's expensive, and as you can see, it requires a huge facility. So a lot of that testing is done in what we call model plants, so Arabidopsis, it's, it's a little weed. It's rather similar to you know, medical scientists using mice. We use this little weed to do most of our experiments in, or tobacco. And once they qualify, once we're interested and they think they really are the genes that do the function that we, we propose that they do, then they'll go into Apple, and not really before then. One of the things we want to work on next, well, I, I want to do a lot of work on um, carotenoids, the yellows and, and oranges that are in our apples. We've got scientists who want to work on fruit size, little apples. Um, there's so much to do in the future. What are you looking to get out of this work? Why are you doing it? So we're really looking for what traits will be wanted, if you like, by consumers in the future. Very difficult to, to predict. But many of those traits will, will rely on, on the quality of the fruit. So, for example, the taste, the texture, the colour, and probably increasingly on the health uh, compounds in that fruit. Uh, for example, apple is a little low on vitamin C. It has good, good levels of vitamin C, but in comparison to citrus or kiwi fruit, apple is not the best thing to eat for vitamin C. And we've got a lot of knowledge on the vitamin C pathway through experiments in this facility. So one challenge for the future is you know, double the vitamin C level in apple. Vitamin C is so good for health. You know, it, it's, it's been shown over and over again to be the basis of a lot of our immune responses, um, our, our fight against colds at this time of year. And so a higher vitamin C apple um, would be very attractive. So when these apple trees have finished their winter and you take them back upstairs and suddenly it's spring, What's going to happen? There's a lot of flowering. You know, all at once, we'll get a small buds um, with some leaf, and then there'll be just um, hundreds and hundreds of flowers. And then it's a real challenge for us. We're not allowed bees or any insects, so we'll uh, rush around the, the trees with a paintbrush, making um, bee-like noises, and um, physically pollinating each, each flower with a paintbrush.
which uh, seems slightly nerdy, but it does actually give us some really interesting information on pollination and, and then uh, time to fruiting, etc. So it's quite useful, but it is quite a big task come the spring. I'll think of you in the spring then, <laughs> being bees. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and that was Richard Espley and Andrew Allen, both from Plant and Food Research. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, you can find more stories on our webpage, radioNZ.co.nz forward slash our changing world. Kakiteano. Botox Cosmetic, Atabotulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.